going to dig in a little bit more of making sure that it's not just something that I've heard and, and, and hey, I've got something out of that in the sense that, hey, that's been good, but making sure that you're applying these truths in your life and you're walking in the freedom that Jesus Christ has paid the price to give you. Amen. So I want you to welcome Dr. Kevin Chapman this morning. Hallelujah. Man, so go ahead. I'll let you greet. And... Good morning. <laughs> Have y'all enjoyed the series? Like, actually, are y'all implementing what we've been talking about? You sure? I'm going to watch y'all. Amen. Okay. No, this has been good. It's been, uh, again, it's just not just for me, but like when I, when I go back and listen and, and hear what we've talked about, you know, I'm just always grateful because... How many of y'all know the body of Christ needs to hear what we're talking about? Amen. So, you know, stay tuned because Pastor Rob and I, you know, we have plans at some point to just try to make that even more available. So I think in many ways, this is something if one person gets a hold of what we've been saying in this series, we've done what we're supposed to do. Amen. Right. Amen. You know, it's, it's as, a, as a pastor and really as pastors, you get to watch people, and, 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 and the thing that I see is we, we live for God, we read our Bible, we walk with the Lord, um, but sometimes there's areas of our life where the enemy still has a, a grip. And, and the thing is, is this is such a widespread and common arena for people that they struggle with. And these are things, and, and you're going to see uh, today in a couple of comments, but these are things that can hold you back from actually fulfilling what God has put in you to do because you're bound or held back by these different um, arenas concerning, uh, you know, worry, concerning fear, you know, anxiousness, and even more. Those things actually become a hindrance to you living the life. It's not just you enjoying life. It's you and I actually living life on purpose, the purpose that God's called us to live so we can make a difference in the world in which we live. So to me, that's, that's huge for our lives and the need for it. So we want you to be free. We want you to have the tools to be able to do that. So we started off this series talking about having the mind of Christ. And, and, and for me, I'm very passionate about that uh, because Jesus thought differently. He didn't think, you know, the way that most people think. He thought differently. Therefore, he acted differently. Therefore, he had a greater impact. And Jesus said, the works that I do, you'll do. And even more, and even greater, he said, works. Well, if we're going to be able to do that, then we need to make sure that we are walking and having the mind of Christ. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect, right? but that we're walking and beginning through the Word of God to think the way that He does. And so the Word of God talks about renewing your mind. And this is so critical and so key. And one of the things that we had talked about, and I'll let you speak to that uh, quickly about that, and that is, is that we actually, we reprogram, but it actually does more than just exchange of information. That it actually changes uh, the dynamics and physical change. So speak to that real quick as a reminder of what it does. Yeah, and I think that that's important, Pastor Rob, because many times when we think about, oh, just change the way you're thinking, just be positive. Well, 
that's a half truth. I think it's part, part of it is being positive, but ultimately it's a matter of really restructuring and reprogramming, which we'll get into how you think. And what we know scientifically is that science confirms what the Word of God already knows. And I think that's really important to keep in mind because many people don't realize that when we're talking about reprogramming thoughts and things, which is what the Word of God is steeped in, there's a number of verses that talk about that. When you do that, again, it really reprograms your brain. Your neurotransmitters fire differently. Endorphins are released in your brain. Dopamine and serotonin are affected and make you feel better. All these things are designed, right, by God in that sense. Neuroplasticity changes in your brain. You have new neurons. You have, there's a lot of other nerdy things I could say, but the point is, is your brain literally changes. You become a new person when you change the way you think. And that is not something that's my opinion. It's something that is confirmed. And the irony of that is that most, I'll say most, most scientists who are not believers, right, confirm what I'm saying, and yet the Word of God already said it. Like, that's something to think about as a believer, is that the science confirms the Word. Yeah. Does that make sense? Not saying the Word confirms science. It is bidirectional. But science confirms what the Word already said. And I think as a believer, you need to grab a hold of that. Amen? That's so good. So you can write down these scriptures just to have them as reference, but Romans 12, 2, you should know that do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, right? So that's what we're talking about. That transformation, that word transformation is a transformation. Again, it's not just different. It's not just knowing more stuff. It's actually changing and transforming your life, right? Ephesians 4, right, talks about being renewed in the spirit of our mind, right? So again, we see that in Scripture that our mind is actually being renewed to what? To what God says about us. And then in Colossians 3, uh, it talks about putting on the new man. And, and so it's important that we understand, like he said, uh, Dr. Kevin said, that we actually become a new person. We're putting on a new person in our life. And so you spoke to that concerning three areas as far as understanding what it really means to put on the new man. In terms of like the emotional part? Yes, the, the three areas we talked about oh, in yeah. the beginning. Thoughts and feelings and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's so incredibly important to remember. Like we're a three-part being, right? First Thessalonians 5.23, we have a spirit, we have a soul, and a body. I don't think it's by coincidence that we are, our emotions also have three parts. Like, we don't have to complicate it, right? It's that we have any emotion. I don't care what it is. Sadness, anger, disgust, excitement, you name it. Always has the same three parts, and that's an important foundation. We have thoughts, which is what we've been saying this whole time with the scriptures Pastor Rob just laid out. Feelings, which really means physical sensations in your body, something that most people are oblivious to, but not y'all, right? It's important to recognize that it's a that the heart racing, the shortness of breath, all of that is a part of the emotion, right? And then your behavior, which we've also been talking about. Y'all seeing how the Word of God is coming alive and what we're saying? Thoughts, physical feelings, and behaviors. Any emotion you have, again, recapping, any emotion always has those three parts. And that's really important to understand, especially when you start learning, well, how do I change these things? What do I need to do? Well, you got to know that first. Right? And, and literally, it does not matter. I know I'm repeating myself. Any emotion you have, any emotion, always, always, always has those three parts. You remember nothing else we say. <laughs> remember that. <laughs> Amen. That's good. So what about, um, you'd mentioned two main thinking traps. So 
what, let's talk about that real quick because we're we're talking about renewing the mind, changing that. And so, what are the two traps that people fall into in their thinking? Yeah. So, anytime you experience negative emotional experiences on a regular basis, like you know, granted things happen in your life, and having anger, for example, the Word of God talks about that. Psalms four four, Ephesians four twenty six. Anger is a normal emotion. Jesus was salty in the temple, and I get an amen. Thank right. you. So with that being said, we're talking about experiencing emotions chronically. So when Pastor Rob's talking about these thinking traps, you can pinpoint two types of thoughts that will guarantee you to feel upset about something and stay there, which no one ever wants to stay there, but people stay there, right? One is what we call catastrophizing. That means thinking the worst. Example, this is the worst day of my life. I right. promise you that if I kicked you after you said that, your day would officially be worse. <laughs> Y'all laugh, but that's true, right? Yeah. Your yeah. day can always be worse. So catastrophizing. Another example is making a negative prediction. Forecasting, right? It's like fortune telling is what we call that. For example, I know I'm going to fail this exam. You don't have a crystal ball though, right? Or they're going to make fun of me when I walk into this situation. I'm going to turn red. I'm not, but some of y'all. You're going to turn red when you walk into, you know, the situation to give a speech. So all of a sudden, right, I can predict that everybody's going to laugh at me, which rarely ever happens. Those two types of thoughts will guarantee you to feel unnecessarily anxious and upset about nothing. Amen? So tuck that away, too. I'm glad you said that. Well, and so just wanting, as we recap, just remind you of some things in the way that the enemy wants to come against your life. And when he was talking about not having a crystal ball, even, you know, in my own life, or I see it in others, and that is, is that we, in order to think in those directions, you have to make a lot of assumptions, right? And so many times, we are not living based on the truth or the facts, as we've mentioned throughout the series. What are the facts of this situation or what's going on and allowing that to help confront that thinking. Instead, we're making assumptions. And we're saying, well, I assume that this is the worst day of my life. So I'm assuming that from this day forward, my life is going to always be better. You, you know what I'm saying? So we've got to make sure that we're rooted in truth and we're rooted in the facts of the situation. That's two, to me, key components in being able to renew your mind and change the way you think. So today, we're going to, from that, we're going to look at several different things in, you know, so what do I do now as far as I've got all this information from the different um, uh, series, from the different messages, I've got this information, so what do I do with it? So the first thing is, is to be able to identify the problem. It's important. If you're going to, the, the overwhelming theme in this is if I'm going to overcome any of this, I have to be confrontational with it. Isn't that right? So if, if I avoid it, if I, if I hope, close my eyes, I wish it to be better, I hope it gets better. Anybody ever been there where you don't really want to face it and you're just hoping that give it enough time and, and everything's going to be all right? No, there are times when you have to confront things. So when I do that, I've got to begin to identify the problem. And the first thing um, is, what are the symptoms? Like, what's going on? And then you and I had that discussion even again this morning about being specific. So speak to that. You know, this, this is 
if you're taking notes, absolutely write that down because most people are vague in their description of the problem. So when people say things like, well, what's the problem? Let me see, my nerves are bad or I worry all the time. Well, the thing is, is in order for you to apply these principles we're talking about, you have to be as concrete as possible. So let me help you out. Here's an example. First of all, you got to identify what the emotional issue is. So label the emotion that you're struggling with. So for example, anxiety is something we've talked a lot about. How is anxiety creating problems in your life? So in other words, when we say identify the problem, we're saying write down concretely how are certain emotions creating problems. Here's an example, hypothetical. Somebody might say and get a gold star if they said, well, let's see, anxiety leads to panic attacks on a regular basis. That's concrete. See what I did there? Or let's use a different emotion. Sadness leads to me feeling depressed and isolating from people I care about. See how that's concrete? Anger causes me to lash out and damage relationships. Y'all seeing that? So it really doesn't make any difference what the emotion is to us because ultimately there's a way out. I think the key though is you gotta identify and be honest with yourself. What's the emotional label that I'm talking about? And how do we make that concrete so that it's testable? In other words, if I'm convicting you in a court of law, we got to know from footage that something in your life has changed. And saying I'm happier is not good enough. That's good. It's what does it look like to be happier? What does it look like to have the joy of the Lord? We got to know from footage and evidence that there's enough to convict you of that being true. Are y'all following me? So it's really important to lay it out. What, what's Identify the problem by being concrete. That's step one, like hands down. Amen. And when you begin to look at that as believers, I think if you're not careful, we're taught to, to almost ignore the problem or that there is a problem. You know, God's in control. God's got it all. Well, God didn't make you angry today. You see what I'm saying? God's not the one making you sad. Things are going on. And the truth is, is that God wants you to have joy, right? God, God says it's okay to be angry, but don't get into sin over it, right? So anger is, can be a healthy emotion. We just want to take it to the extreme. But as believers, it's not okay to just write that off and say, well, I'm just trusting God. Well, for some people, they've been doing that for 10 years, and they still get angry and say things to those close to them that hurt people. You, you see where I'm going with that? And so until you're willing to be honest and say, hey, this is going on in the context of knowing that God still loves you, that there is a way out, and that God's not mad at you. You see what I'm saying? Like, God's not condemning you because you have something going on that you need to figure that out so that I can move past it, so that I can walk in freedom. So you, you following that? That's why this is important. It's not just to feel better. It's so that I can continue to be and walk uh, the way that I'm supposed to, the way that I'm called to, the way he's created me actually to walk in life. Protect me after this comment, Pastor Rob, but I can, I'm going to go as far as saying the following. Your spouse or whoever it is in your life also doesn't make you angry either. That's an unpopular opinion. But if God's not doing it, neither is anybody else. The key is that people trigger emotions. That's good. They don't cause them. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You make me so angry. No. Based on my interpretation of what you did, I don't have to lose my joy because of you. 
That's good. Uh, somebody hear me this morning? That's good. Like, you might trigger a lot of stuff, and that's normal and natural. But what I do with that, though, is up to me. That should empower somebody this morning. Because so many people are like, you, 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 I'm going to cancel you, right? Or you said this to me, you hurt my feelings. Well, y'all learn that feelings really is physical sensations in your body, but that's another conversation. <laughs> Amen. Oh, that's powerful. I, I think that's so true. Um, we forget that we have choices. We have choices. But it's choices that are based on truth and based on facts, right? So, um, so the next step with that would be... Um, once I begin to identify and have concrete examples now, I need to actually confront it. So not, you know, it's great to know, but I actually have to take that step of confronting it. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so when we think about, again, identifying the problem, I think beyond that, what needs to happen is when you confront it, you got to identify, again, all those symptoms that we're talking about. We've talked about a lot of symptoms, and y'all know our heart. I'm not, even in clinical practice, I'm not big on labeling, even for non-believers that I work with. Like, it's key that a diagnosis, right, in the world kind of gives you an idea of the symptoms they have so that you can treat them effectively, just to be clear. But I personally am not one, since I know where all the symptoms come from to begin with, and one to get you to own your symptoms. People all the time, Pastor Rob, oh, my OCD, right? Like, you own that. My depression, meaning I own that. My social anxiety, my nerves, right? That means you don't have a way out when you say that. Yeah. So it's very clear that you say that I'm a child of the Most High. These are my symptoms. As opposed to saying that's a part of my identity and who I am. And that is essential. Amen? So with that being said, I think it's important to start confronting. But in, in doing so, you got to lay out a game plan. So if you're taking notes, here's some examples of that. So when we think about confronting, we're talking about identifying what sort of things are triggering? And we've talked about the Word of God in several scriptures, but there's two main ingredients when we're talking about confronting something, all right? Number one, and I'll use the technical term, and then you can insert the, what the Word says, cognitive restructuring or changing the way I think, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is one very important component of confronting anything. You've got to learn to reprogram how we're thinking, and there's ways to do that, right? So cognitive restructuring is one point. So in other words, changing how I think is part of confronting. The other part of confronting is what we call exposure. We've talked about that. And that means whatever the things are that are triggering, say, anger or anxiety or worry or panic or whatever it might be, you got to lay out a list. We call that oftentimes a hierarchy of situations that trigger those strong emotions. And we got to confront those in a very structured way. So if it's Walmart, if it's Target, if it's crowded places, we come up with a game plan. I'm giving you the, the bird's eye view, but we're coming up with a game plan to confront those things. But just know the two main ingredients are changing the way you think, right, which we can get into detail, and then confronting the things that trigger it. Not running away from it, but confronting the things that trigger it. Yeah, yeah. You'll, never, you'll never overcome something you run away from. And so it'll chase you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so many times we live our life looking over our shoulder, waiting for the next episode, the next situation. And it's because we keep running instead of turning around. One of the things the enemy hates is when you know who you are in Christ and you confront him over the lies 
that he's trying to dictate to you. It's when you stand your ground according to the word and you push back as far as who you are in Christ. Yeah, and I didn't, if you don't mind, Pastor, let me elaborate on that point. Yeah, go ahead. I didn't even see this. So here's an example that I wrote down. So let's say somebody struggles with panic attacks. I think most of us know what a panic attack is. We've talked about panic. And most people who have panic attacks also develop what we call, again, agoraphobia, meaning I avoid places where I might have panic attacks, which is a natural thing to do, right? Oh, I have one at Target, so I'm not going to Target, right? So in laying out what we're saying, the first step, again, Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Anytime you're going to confront anything, you got to know what it is. So with that being said, the first component is educating yourself, which we've done throughout Headspace. So if I have panic attacks and I also have symptoms of, say, agoraphobia, hypothetically, the first step is saying, okay, what do I now know about fear? What do I know about anxiety? Scientifically, but what's the word say about it? So I got to educate myself about those symptoms. Y'all with me? Which is what we've been doing throughout this series. Secondly, I always tell people, you got to self-monitor when it happens. When you keep stuff in your head, I promise you, it really doesn't change. Mm. And we could preach on that, right? So I think it's getting it out of your own head by laying it out on paper. Okay, so 5.06 p.m., I was at Target, and all of a sudden, I start flipping out. You need to write that down, right? Being a detective and identifying the times that happen. So self-monitoring is what I'm saying. Monitoring the times that happen and coming up with a theme, you'll start getting smarter and understand, oh, it's when I see this thing when I go, or oh, when I was thinking about this when I go. You're becoming your own therapist in that case, and you're starting to identify a theme. That's important, right? All right. Creating that list we talked about, okay, when I'm driving on the interstate, when I'm on 265, when I'm at Target, or when I'm in, so laying out the game plan. Here's all the situations where I've struggled. See how you're getting a sense of control when you do that? So I'm laying out that game plan. And then I start applying the principles Pastor Rob and I've talked about, which are, okay, what thoughts do I need to pick out in advance before I go? Right? I need to identify what I'm going to say to myself instead of winging it and white knuckling it and all the stuff people say, oh, I got this, right, when you really don't feel like you do. You got to identify that stuff before you go and come up with a game plan. Here's what the word says, and here's what I choose to believe despite how I'm feeling. So I pick that out before I go, and then finally the last step of that, of course, is confronting it. It's funny, I've talked to a couple of people today, Pastor Rob, and I've asked them very strategically, y'all know who y'all are, and they'll smile. But I said, well, what did you learn when you did that? That's always a very important question. What did I learn when I went in that situation? I learned that God's word is true. I learned that even though I'm uncomfortable, I'm still an overcomer. I learned that it wasn't as scary as I thought it was. I learned that I actually can do this despite what so-and-so and them said. And then I repeat that same trial over and over and over. I change the time of day. I change who's with me. I change, you know, my phone leaving in the car, stuff like that. And all of a sudden now it's just going to Target. It's not you know, dun-dun-dun, right, like we oftentimes say. Hey, man, does that make sense? So that's kind of a concrete game plan to kind of think through for a panic, at least, and other examples, it's the same principle. Hey, Amen. I think that's so important in our life uh, with that is you never know you've overcome something until you faced it and you've overcome it. You know, it's, it's one thing to walk away from this, and we're so good on having the knowledge but not the experience to back up the truth. You see what I'm saying? So that's what we're talking about. So that I can look back and say, 
I used to, but now I know I don't because I'm confronting the same situation and now my response is different. You see what I'm saying? As opposed to saying, oh yeah, it's all good until it's not, right? And I want to mention one other thing because we've talked about that throughout the series is that as you confront this, you say, well, man, am I going to have to do this for the rest of my life? Well, not necessarily because when you overcome it, you overcome it and it no longer has a grip in your life. Doesn't mean you don't need to be aware of things, but this is, there's an out. We're not talking about just managing symptoms, right? We're talking about overcoming it. So um, what about, uh, I don't want to get too deep. You can go back to any of the series where we talked specifically about anxiety and anxiousness and worry, where we walk you through things, and you can go back and look at that. Um, But it's important, we've already talked about it, you've got to apply the solution to your life. You've got to actually do something. You, you don't just need to know something, you need to do something. And three is that I want to insert in here is that you ought to be accountable. How, how important is that uh, in somebody overcoming something as far as having accountability so for it? So accountability is central, but to clarify, Pastor Rob, amen this. Who you're accountable to matters. Yes. yes. Because I'm going to tell you right now, most people have people in their lives that coddle them. And that's important to, to, to point out, because that's not accountability. That's stroking. Oh, it's going to be fine. I remember when I was a nervous wreck, too. Let's commiserate and be miserable together. Praise God. That's not praising God, by the way. But the point is, is we, get, we can't be that way. You need somebody who's going to hold you accountable and not always tell you what you're going to want to hear. Because remember what we talked about in the past during, during this series. Reassurance does not help you. Right? Saying what you want to be told, like what you want to hear, does not help you. What helps you is truth. Right? And you do that in love. You don't like just like totally slice somebody up. See, you ain't nothing and you you did it again. Oh, that's not accountability. It's I hear what you're saying, but do you want me to listen or do you want me to tell you the truth? Right? And accountability is being held accountable by someone that you trust will tell you what will help you, not what you want to always hear. Can I get a witness? Because that's most people. Most people are like, oh, well, it's fine. Wipes head, wipes brow, and then they go right back to you again, talking about here we go again. It's a vicious cycle, and now you're pulled in carrying a burden that you're not meant to carry. So accountability, Pastor Rob, that's, that's all I'll say. Yeah. Lizzie, you can write down James chapter 5, verse 16 for that. The, the Bible says we confess our sin one to another. <clears throat> That doesn't make you a bad person. It just means I missed the mark, right? It says that we may be healed. There's healing and there's victory and accountability. And then Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 talks about, it says, you know, to the man who, a person who doesn't have any friends, right? Uh, Compared to the one that has a friend, that when they're in a time of need, they can pull them up. And that person that's there to help you, I love that you said that, is not the person that's going to coddle that. It's the person that in love and truth pulls you up out from where you are and helps you to move forward in life. Amen. So it's to me, it's a huge part. It's a huge thing missing in the body today 
is the willingness to be accountable for a lot of things. But, but it, we'll never overcome what we're not accountable for. Right? Just keep that simple. So um, the next one or the last principle in this is the, I call it continuous reprogramming. In other words, we talked about identifying your weakness, identifying the area. In other, in other words, I have the propensity to. I'm not owning it, but this is where the enemy, this is where whatever it is uh, as far as my past, this is the propensity. So if it's being anxious or, or you know, if it's worrying, if it's fear, whatever it is, it's recognizing that that could have been in my past, that has been a weak point, right? And so I'm going to shore that up with truth. I'm going to shore that up with what the Word of God says, just basically repeating what Dr. Kevin just said a few minutes ago about ahead of time saying this is what the Word says about it. So I don't want to wait till it happens again. I want to be proactive in what I'm doing. And the way that we get proactive is we find out what the truth says. So, um, and then it is meditating and declaring the word of God. It's not enough to just, to just have the information, but as I meditate on it, you know, what does that mean? Uh, the example that you and Pastor Jackie gave about the, the elevator you know, knowing that, hey, I've had a fear of elevators and then meditating on what the word of God says, he's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love of sound mind. I know that this is gonna pass. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at ahead of time, I am meditating and confessing and rehearsing the word of God in my life. And, and that is so critical uh, for our lives as believers. It's not enough to just remember what I read Five weeks ago, it ought to be right there with me all the time that I'm meditating and speaking and declaring the word of God. You spoke about being present and being mindful, right, in our life. So when we talk about continuous reprogramming, what does that look like from your perspective as, as I move forward in this? Yeah, so being prepared and being proactive. I mean, it's about, I guess the word that comes to my mind would be repetition is so incredibly important. I think too often when we're being proactive, as you said, we think about, oh, I did it. Now I don't have to worry about it. I assure you that you're going to get triggered again if you don't do it again. And I think it's so incredibly important to know that part of it is confronting it for sure, which changes your thoughts by default when you get wins in your life and you ask yourself, well, what did I learn from confronting this situation? And then ultimately being present and mindful, which the Word of God talks a whole lot about. We've talked about this as part of the series. Psalm 1611 is a scripture we've used a lot, and I think we need to take that to heart. It says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. And what I told you all that I like to say to people all the time is that if I'm not present, it's awfully hard to be in God's presence. So I have to set aside time is what it looks like, Pastor Rob. I tell people to do it at least twice a day. Take some time to just be present, meaning mindful, being engaging in mindfulness, listening to audio where I'm just literally sitting and focusing on what my breathing is like, focusing on this chair that I'm sitting on, focusing on the smells in the air, focusing on the, the heat or air, whichever it is, 
right? Focusing on those things because what happens is most people are two hours from now or two hours ago, and they're rarely, if ever, present. So when we talk about being proactive, it means you got to set some structure in your life to say twice a day at this time, I'm going to take the time to be here and be nowhere else. I'm just going to be here. And guess what happens to your spiritual life when you do that? Then I'm hearing things from God. Then I'm able to receive the word. I'm not always just talking. God's speaking. And I'm able to hear what he has to say because I'm making myself available. Does that make sense? And that's so important. I'd say, you know, just for me personally, that would be one of the biggest challenges because you have so many things that you're thinking about. And I've noticed over time, like I will say, you know, I'm not good at remembering names, right? I know this isn't worry, but, but I'd say that I'm not good at that, but it's because I can meet people, but my mind is somewhere else, not intentionally. And I have to refocus and say, I'm right here right now meeting this person. And when I'm more intentional with that, then what happens is, is I have a better memory of what's going on. You see what I'm saying? And so in my life, in my time with the Lord, that, that time, I can be thinking about so many things when really the most important thing is that I'm present with the Lord. And then he'll help me with those things when it's time. You know, so that's just for me personally, that's a struggle. It's a challenge. And since this series, I've actually worked on it more and more in my life of being present with the Lord in my time with him. Amen. That, that's so crucial to our life. Um, so we talked about identifying and being specific, being concrete with it. We've talked about confronting it, that I, I can't run away. I need to stand. I need to confront it. And then we've talked about continually reprogramming our mind or continually meditating on the word, putting the truth in us and the value and the importance of that. And those are principles that if I'll apply those in my life, then I will move forward and overcome the things that I'm facing, right? Now, you may ask, and we've had this question, how do I know when I need to get help? I don't mean accountability. I mean help. You know what I'm saying? How do I know when I need to get help in my life? Yeah, and to simplify it, two principles, again, we're, we're over-communicating on purpose. So two thoughts. Number one, it, are these symptoms causing me personal distress, a.k.a. I have them more days than not, and I don't like experiencing it? So number one, personal distress. I don't like it, and it's happening too frequently, right? So that's easy to identify. The second one, though, on the other hand, and this is where accountability, to Pastor Rob's point, comes in, too, is number two is impairment in at least one area of my life, meaning work, school, relationships, right, things like that, meaning I can't function the way I typically do in those situations. So in other words, I'm, my grades are declining, or people at work are saying, are you okay because you don't seem to be focused, or, you know, kids and, you know, my spouse is well, like, you just are completely different. You've changed. It's almost like your personality has changed. So when you start seeing that impairment and functioning in at least one area, that's probably time for you to seek additional help. It means that you're not able to navigate it on your own until somebody else is able to help you do that. Amen. And I, we've said it regularly, and I want to say it again. There's nothing wrong with seeking help. 
all right? You can apply your faith on every level of your life. So uh, uh, we, we treat mental things, we want to treat it differently than physical. But yet you see that it's actually all tied together, right? So it's important and it's okay if we need to seek help, right? So that's, that's important in our life to do that. All right, so let's answer. We've had a few questions come in. Uh, did you have anything else in conclusion? Okay. Well, let's step. We're going to answer a few questions that had come in, and uh, I'm just going to read them, and then uh, I'll let you answer first. And uh, So it says, first one is, how do you help a worrier when they don't realize how it affects them and others around them? You set me up, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> well, the short answer is simple, but not easy, like the gospel. <laughs> so with that said, again, you pointing out that somebody is chronically worrying, I think is important. I think that in order for someone to recognize something or at least attempt to, you should be that person to say it if you have that person's ear, right? Amen. So at least point it out. With that being said, if you point it out and then point it out again and then again and then again and then again and then again and they're not really receiving it, as we've said multiple times, it is not your responsibility, regardless of who it is, to bear their burden, bear their burden unless you're okay feeling the way you're feeling. I mean, that's, 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 that's tough, right? But at the same time, it's not your burden to bear. It is your responsibility to point it out. But if you accept that, then you're going to be as distressed as they are. So it's so important to, to, again, point out that there's resources, point out that there's other people, but it is not your responsibility to change it. Again, you know the saying, Pastor Rob, you can lead a horse to water, dot, dot, dot. So the key is pointing it out. But don't stay there because you're going to be sucked into it and then you're going to have more than one person distressed. Yep. You confront in love and truth. Mercy, right? It's important. Um, so you can confront in those arenas, but you can't help somebody who does not want to help themselves. They have to be a willing party. And, and to say it in in an in, uh, a easier vernacular than that, and don't be a nag, right? Don't nag people about things. What can I do? I can pray for them. And I can pray for the eyes of their understanding to be opened. Amen? And then that'll help and believe God. So it doesn't mean I'm powerless. It just means that I'm choosing the right avenue to be able to help this person and love on them. And I'll add this, it's not your job to fix them. Right? Right? Our spouse, right? If you're a fixer, our spouse, even our kids, we're, we, we want to be part of the process, but I'm not responsible to fix you. I'm responsible to speak in truth and love, and then I'm to stand on the word and speak what God says about you, pray for you. Amen? So the second one is, the thing in life that I have the biggest struggle with is having worry about my adult unsaved or prodigal children. I confess it keeps me up some nights. Do you have any advice on how to confront the fear that they may not come to Jesus? That's a good question. But keep in mind, though, that despite what the worry is, worry is never helpful. 
okay? So I say that to say that there are things you still need to do about it because there's a spiritual connection here. So I think in some sense, first of all, remember, worry is a futile attempt of problem-solving future events. It's repetitive negative thoughts about future events and catastrophe happening. In that case, spiritually, that is a catastrophe. But your worry is not going to add a cubit to your stature is what the Word of God says, and it's not going to get them saved either. So I say that to say, that's one of those things where we talked about, you remember the constructive worry sheet? Here's where the Word of God meets what I tell people clinically. So if you take a constructive worry sheet and say, here's the things I'm worried about. I'm worried about my, my, my prodigal child and whether or not they'll be saved. I realize worry doesn't help. So what am I going to do about it? My solutions are things like, I'm going to pray for them and intercede for them. I'm going to pray that other people, there's other messengers in the, in the field that will be sent to them so they'll receive the word. I'm going to rest in what the word says about them, that they will return, right? They will not depart from the word of God. I will rest in what the word says as opposed to convincing myself through worry that that's actually productive and leading to their salvation. It won't work, y'all. And I think it's critical, right, Pastor Rob, that it doesn't matter what the worry is. Worry is never helpful period. But we can deal with that by saying, here's my solutions. Here's what I'm going to pray. Here's what I'm going to give over to the Lord. And that's the end of it. I put it on that sheet, put it on my nightstand and say, God, it's yours. Amen. And that's true for any worry. And that's where faith comes in. It's because if I'm worrying about it, then I'm actually taking on God in that situation. Whereas if I'll do what uh, Dr. Chapman has said is I can rest in that and I'm putting my faith in God and in his word and I'm trusting his word in that. Amen. So that's really important in our life. It is a walk of faith that we have and believing God for somebody. And the hardship is, is seeing, seeing on a regular basis something I can't fix, right? So again, I have to release that and do what the word of God says. And I would add to that, that when you think about worry, and um, I had another question come in, but it's linked to that real quick, is that remember worry gives you an illusion of control. So when you're giving up something to God, it's hard for many people who have high trait neuroticism to do that. So it's like my illusion of control is gone because it seems like it's problem solving. Well, the word says that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, right? Right, will guard you. And in that way, I think that you'll know that that's God and that worry is released when you have the thought about that and it no longer leads to distress. In other words, yes, it's a concern of mine that they won't come to the Lord, but I have this peace over me that it's not something for me to hold on to continuously. And I'm able to move on with the next activity. You know that's God when that happens. I just wanted to add that. So this one, I think we've already touched on it, but maybe there's something more specific uh, we could say is my spouse can sometimes get overwhelmed when there's too much of something. So too many people talking at once, too much mess to clean, too many people at the store, too much noise, and so on. Most times they shut down in those moments and do not know how to focus and process. When I try to assist and give advice, like Dr. Kevin is talking about, they get upset because they take it as me getting on to them. But I just want them to be able to navigate those moments and not allow it to ruin their day. What do I do to encourage and advise even though they don't seem to want to help themselves? I pray for them and give them their space most of the time. 
but I don't know what else to do. Well, I think that he said most of the time. So I think that on the one hand, it's, you know, most of the time I do this, but yet that. You got to not be double-minded in that regard. And I say that in love. In other words, what I'm saying is what we've already talked about is that that's not your burden to bear. If you pointed it out and not willing, they're not willing to receive it, then all of a sudden you're allowing the enemy to enter into you and not allow yourself to be regulated. So I can assure you that if they're not hearing what you're saying, despite your intention, that is nagging, if that makes sense. That's not the intent, but I think that if they're not hearing it, then that's not something you need to be saying to them at that point because they're not receiving it. So that is nagging. Does that make sense? It is, actually. So, again, it goes back to what we just said. I think, again, Ephesians 4.29, I always use the word, but, you know, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for the necessary edification that it might impart grace into the hearer. In other words, love on them. Encourage them. So I'm sorry you feel that way. Not I'm sorry I made you feel that way, but I'm sorry that you feel that way. But don't allow it to affect you because you got to be regulated in that situation despite your spouse. And I know that's tough. Simple, not easy. But it's necessary. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, you got any last words to close out? The only thing I'd say, y'all, is, again, like, thank y'all for listening. I think more than anything, me and Pastor Rob, our heart is more than anything that you didn't just hear this because oftentimes we hear a good message and we don't implement it. But we've, like, really taken time to really lay out a game plan, practical game plan, right? So my heart for y'all is that take something we said and use it. Real quick shout out, somebody in here um, has been avoiding something. Tammy said I can mention this, but just to give somebody in here a really encouraging word, as Tammy mentioned, that there were things that she was avoiding like for the longest time and through this series, Headspace, she's confronted some things from her past. She said I could say this. And as a result, not only was able to manage it, but actually enjoyed herself. I'm telling y'all, this stuff works. Amen. Okay? So use what we're saying is what we're saying. Amen. Uh, it's, it's been, to me, just so powerful. And, and again, it's only as good as what you apply. It's only as good as what you use. Amen. And, and you know the videos, uh, the messages are available. You can go back and get them. You can go back and listen watch, you know, whichever way you want to do that. But I want to remind you of something we said in the beginning, and that is, is that um, you're not, you're not in an impossible place. You're not in an impossible place. God is so big. He loves you so much, and he's able to work in your life. And, and Dr. Kevin has mentioned it more than once, that even in seemingly in some of the most severe instances there's still a way out there's still a way through there's still a way to overcome so don't get frustrated or discouraged or well i tried that and that didn't work no it works right and so maybe you did try it well maybe you need some accountability maybe you need help you see what i'm saying don't don't give up where you are if you need to take the next step because you can be free you can walk in freedom from that. You can overcome and actually gain more of, of your life and the joy of living life and fulfilling what God's put on the inside of you. Amen.